Well, you know that music means it means uh, you're listening to the mystery of parenthood. Well, you welcome you, and um, before we get started, we're always going to start with our prayer. So, in the name of the Father and the Son and Son, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, granted every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Granted your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray pray for for us. Pray for us. And so um, we're here. We're um, Thaddeus is in College Station, and me and Adam are in various places unbeknownst to anybody but us. Secret, undisclosed <laughs> locations. Okay. We're, we're, we're remote lo- locations, but we're so excited about having Adam on the show because he kind of had this really radical thought, and it was something that, had, that I had considered before, but, but kind of the way he was framing it, I thought it would be worth everybody out there to... To hear this, you might learn something you didn't know before, and, and maybe it's something that would encourage you uh, to do. But it's it, he, he talked about third orders and um, and the reality that maybe families ought to look at joining third orders, or at least do something like that. Is that kind of how you see it? That is certainly there may be people out there who have no idea what a third order is. Right. But beyond that, even those that that do, which I'm familiar with it, I'm not. It never crossed my mind as a family to consider doing it. But I, I really want to hear um, your thoughts on on that. So um, hopefully that'll be a benefit. Does that sound fair, Thaddeus? Yeah. So Adam Earhart back in the uh, friendly friendly confines of the mystery of parenthood. Tell tell our oh, listeners man. again who you are, what you're doing, and then. Let's hear what you have to say about um, why we should consider third orders, and what and right, what they are. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, what the I heck they always are, thank too. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, we said we're, our listeners might learn a little bit from our conversation, but to be honest, I, I learned quite a bit just doing a little bit of research around this topic. But um, just to give you a little bit about who I am, I'm director of evangelization at a uh, parish in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, I had the great blessing of working at St. Mary's for a little while as a campus minister. So God uh, pulled me up here to the beautiful state of Virginia to do this work up here. Um, This topic actually came about from like a personal angle as well as a professional angle or just things that I've run up to in the church and ministry. Um, But personally, I I have a history of, of, of being really interested in the third order of Carmel. Uh, the Scouts Carmelites and Trey, you, you do as well. Yeah, correct? You, no, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, I was when when you, this topic came up. You know, I had I don't know. There's a, for my entire life, I've had a connection with. I mean, Teresa of Lisieux, John of the Cross, and Teresa of Avila were were doctors of the Church that I kind of fell in love with. I, I was introduced to them during a time when when my mom was dying of cancer and just uh, that coupled with John Paul II. Anyway, that, that spirituality, the discalced Carmelite spirituality was something that I was drawn very much to and um, never could find one here locally. And so I, I took that to mean that, but I still have a great devotion to, to those three discalced Carmelites, um, Mm-hmm. Which basically, you know, for you baseball players, you know, shoeless Joe Jackson. <laughs> this gal's been shoeless. You, yeah. jo- you got my joke before I got this. Yeah. You guys both oh, don't have shoes that. on right now. Okay. You don't have ju- you don't don't have shoes on right now. You two guys. Uh, put them back on, bro. Right now either. Put them but back anyway. on, bro. 
that went off. That went off. I went off on a little tangent there, but 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 um, no, no. I, I did not know that you were interested in them as well. But uh, I, yeah, that's, I that's really neat. Never thought about even considering or even thinking about how that might even look mm. as a family. So right. um, I'm really interested okay. to hear your thoughts. So yeah, me too. Yeah. So as, as I said, you know, I I too went went through that. Um, was interested in common spirituality and attended a couple of meetings. But let me just explain like briefly what a third order is. It's it's, you know, we have religious orders and we'll take a few that we we'll talk about today, like the Franciscans, Dominicans, and the Discalf Carmelites, you know, for example. And they have their religious orders, um, which are broken down in, in three different lowercase orders, which are the first order would be male religious, the second order would be female religious, and the third order would be lay men and women. Uh, who are associated with the religious order um, in their various states of life. But that's a brief overview of what a third order means generally. Um, but like when I said there's a professional side of it, or a ministry side of it, it's, it's, there's a couple things that I realized. Um, I spoke with a young adult, and she's going to, uh, she's going to be a lay Dominican. So she's going to take, um, she's going to make a solemn promise coming uh, on April 14th on Palm Sunday. So we'll pray for her. Her name's Cecilia. Um, but she came to my office and we were talking about the, the great benefit of third orders for the church today for young adults. And it got me thinking about, you know, how do I associate with these orders or how do I um, do I even think about these religious orders in my life as a parent? And I realized there's a couple things that that this even like thinking about this or this topic at all, it yields some some good benefits for us. And one is. Um, there's always going to be a tension between man and the world, between flesh and spirit. And um, participation in the life of the third order can help us, I think, or at least um, maybe not participation if we don't feel called, but um, even studying or becoming aware of their presence can allow us to open ourselves so that God can bear fruit um, out of this tension. Because as men and women, as, as husbands and wives, we know that tension, right? That tension between um, our desires for deep prayer and, you know, the dirty dish, right? They're, they're intentional right. to, some, to some extent. But third orders and the spirituality of third orders can help us allow God to, to bear fruit through that tension because it will never quite uh, truly be diminished, right? Because as long as we're here, we're always going to yearn for deeper and deeper spiritual truths and realities to be present to us, even among the work and the m mundane things that we go through. Um, a second thing that I realized, and I think that, that's important for us as, as Christians, as parents, um, we all have a great potential and uh, certain gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And third orders help us live those out in communion with others or find an affinity with others that um, have the same kind of giftedness, right? So we can support one another in our desire to fulfill that potential, that potency in our lives that God has placed. So on a ministry side, especially young adults or youth or something, it's you know ministry is usually let's try our best to put people in groups based on age, right? Similar ages want to be together, right? And that's good, and you know we can make an argument that that's necessary, but there's also a necessity that we should also be comfortable with um, speaking with the elderly or speaking with those younger than us and mm. and learning from one another. And when I found that third orders do well is um, they help us gather around an affinity or something that we, we kind of have a love for. So say we really love intellectual research or study, studying the faith, and we want to share that, what we gain, that knowledge, then we that's a, that's a charism, right? That's a gift that the Dominicans have, that if we gather around that affinity, that gift, then we might come into contact with people that are retired, like this young lady was. She said there are largely retired people who have different states of life, different resources. And she's coming into contact with the common love that they have for this intellectual vigor in their faith. Um, so a third thing is, is at least as parents, as, as leaders of domestic churches, as people that really try to lead our children into lives of holiness, third orders, at least studying religious orders and the, and the lay involvement in them can help us become more attached to the more vital moments, some of the most vital moments and movements that are within our heritage as Catholics, right? Like the religious orders we're going to talk of today, they rose out of great crisis in the church. 
And through, you know, St. Dominic and St. Francis and St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross, um, these movements, these orders empower the church to fulfill our mission when enemies from within, um, corrupt leaders or, or whatever influences that got within the church that were um, um, corrupting the holiness or uh, of its members, and also from without, like there was a lot of power and influence that um, was was not just attacking the church, but um, attacking the holiness of some of its members. So these movements, these moments in church history, in our heritage, are alive today. And that, you know, if we think about what's going on today, it would be it's it's kind of a dire need for us to return to um, that call to holiness and what that means in our lives. So. I was going to add that uh, I think what's really neat about that last part, Adam, is that Our Lady of Akita, that apparition, 1973 Japan, approved apparition by the Holy mm-hmm. See, one of the things that she she said was that—no, I'm sorry, this is Our Lady of Good Success in the 17th okay. century, sorry. Um, the, the religious orders. The religious orders would come to the rescue of the Church during this mm-hmm. this dire— trial that she um, talked about in, in the visions that that she where she appeared so there's there's also there's a there's a Marian um, kind of endorsement of the importance of mm. religious orders to the life of the of the church and I think you're so I think that's really wonderful that you're you're hooking into that um, with this idea if I and I think and I think another thing that's worth worth mentioning and I think we've mentioned it before is and I think it actually ties into the, the idea of the of the family um, being a community of persons not just of the same type but across generations. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm, over yes. here in Austin and my and I think of my grandfather a lot and all the stories he told and and those type of things. This concept of a, of within a family, how much you can learn from those who've gone before you and we have to remember that's just a reflection of what we're talking about here so that that you we can go back and read Teresa of Avila we can go back and read you know if it's Therese of Lisieux or I mean from I mean we're I'm discount I'm kind of tainted or not tainted <laughs> I mean prejudice so partial yeah partial to to that they're kind of like I see them as my as part of my own family they're people that I have a devotion to just like to my mm-hmm. grandfather because I've read them I feel like I know them you know John John mm-hmm. Paul II and so I think that, that that understanding of the fact that we're meant to be um connecting with those who've gone before us and that they are actually looking out for us, because those are all saints. We know that they're praying for us and that they're like their older brothers, sisters, grandparents, whatever, that are that are there um, trying to help meet our needs, help us to grow in holiness and move forward. I, I don't know, for those people out there, they may or may not have actually heard, mm-hmm. I mean, or read. I, I, that's why I love, you know, John Paul II or any of those, because I've actually sat down and read them. You feel like you know the person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I think whoever that is, whoever you have a connection to, I challenge anybody out there to go try to read, find one of them and see, and you'll it'll resonate. One of them will resonate with you. But I think this idea yeah. that that you have, um, Adam, having not thought about this at all really before, is important to kind of help make the connection that hey, we may not know what that is, and even within a family, it may not be the same across people individuals, mm-hmm. but. You, you have an opportunity to teach your kids that there are those people who've gone before that you might be surprised at what resonates with you, and you really do need to go back and, as Vatican II tells the the um, religious orders, to you know, aggiornamento and resourcement, which is basically you know, go back and read directly from the texts of those who established your, and then bring that forward into today's life. So, mm. uh, resource mind meaning, you know, not what they're teaching today. Go back and read the, read Teresa of Avila, read mm. um, whoever. Yeah. I mean, what, you go down the list, but I think that's important because I think it's a missing link in, in many families, I, including my own. That yeah. I would challenge my kids to go read 
hey, go, you know, pray and 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 read something. Anyway, I, I yeah, I we, ramble. Which but. no, no, what's neat about what you said is you're absolutely right. I think you just kind of really uh, spark something in my own thinking right now because you're right. It's it's any being being introduced to the lives of the saints is a beautiful part of our patrimony and our heritage. Um, what's neat about the orders, religious orders, is um, the saints within the orders embody a similar affinity, a similar spirituality, a similar charism, a gift that we can actually, like you said, you, you have a couple saints in the uh, the Scouts Carmelite tradition that really resonate with your heart, with your your way of being, like how you feel most. Uh, maybe uh, comfortable praying, or it, it draws you. It gives you like this desire to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's it's a tradition within the tradition that allows us to kind of um, step forward, kind of boldly in our own giftedness. And like you said, in families, maybe one kid is it has a different kind of uh, tendency or a different kind of skill set or gift giftedness, and the other child has something else. But as parents, it's almost like saying like these are lives of the saints, but there's a way of life attached to these lives that is common. There's a way of life here, or, or um, there's there's a rule of life. There's there's an order to how these people lived and what they devoted themselves to. And so we can kind of talk about that too, how third orders kind of came about. Um, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm not an expert in many of this. It started from a personal desire and more of a ministry uh, from a ministerial standpoint, but. Um, I did a little bit of scratching around. You can see that, you know, the story is kind of nuanced, um, but for our purposes, we can we can kind of take a swing at how these third orders came about and, um, you know, what, what they're like, what how they're constituted and things like that. Um, so a little bit about the history of these third orders. Um, it seems from, from some accounts that um, they came up pretty organically, like with, along with the uh, the first order and second order, the lay people, um, were invested in in these uh, orders by way of contributing resources, um, financial or professional, um, building them buildings or, you know, uh, investing in them in some way. And the desire to um, be near their holiness or the purity of life that they were living started, you know, lay people want some kind of um, they wanted to participate in the spirituality of these groups. And we see with St. Francis, he wrote a rule for a third order. Uh, and St. Dominic, you see as early as 1285, the rule for the laity. Um, so you see, like, very early on, um, the laity's desire to be a part of, of the monastic communities, these um, these communities that um, set the church on fire from within in many ways of um, that, so is that uh, is that an indicator in the tradition that we should kind of do what you're suggesting, which is is go seek out these these orders and um, try to attach ourselves to them because that's what our forebearers did. That's because that's why third orders came into existence. Is that's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? Uh, yeah, for, and, and definitely that's that's a um, potential. Um, avenue for us. I, I also think too that I don't know, you know, when when they were when these orders started when they began, um, perhaps they were more vibrant or more, you know, like we said in the beginning. Maybe some people were talking or listening to right now, or that are listening to us might not even have heard of the existence of a third order. They might not even know what these when we say the word charism, what they mean, or or anything like this. As we're going to talk about today, but. Um, I definitely think at least the first step is to become more, uh, to become reacquainted with the riches mm-hmm. um, or the depth of spiritual uh, spirituality that that are within these. And these aren't these three that we're going to talk about today aren't all of them. There's the Oblates, the Benedictines, and there's even a um, for for Jesuits or Augustinians and all of them. So 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 um, tr- let's do that now. Let's talk about charism. So. Trey, tell okay. us what what we kind of the typical definition is of Trey of uh, charism and how we normally use it, and then Adam, like, kind of jump in and and fill in for how it works with third orders. Yeah, I don't I don't okay. have a I don't have a, a proper definition, but when I think of charisms, it's it's something that God's given a gift to an uh, in, in individual, or or in this case, you know, an order that 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 not just resonates, but seems to be something that. Um, that God's given so that they might go out and it's something given as a gift 
in order to be shared as a gift for the sake of mm. of putting the gospel out there, for mm-hmm. the sake of drawing mm-hmm. people there. That's the Trey Cashin definition. I'm not sure how that fits yeah. the catechism, but but, I, but hopefully yeah. that's close. <laughs> that's very close. Um, the, cate- the catechism of the Catholic Church 799 uh, reads, that the charisms or graces of the Holy Spirit, which directly or indirectly benefit the Church, ordered as they are to her building up, to the good of men and to the needs of the world. And it also says that in, in 688, paragraph 688, that we actually encounter the Holy Spirit through reception of these charisms, right? So um, you're, absolutely, you're right on, like, these are gifts that are given to individuals, as well as, you know, in this sense, an order, right, a communal charism, in a sense, of being called into... Um, this this giftedness of the Holy Spirit, so that we can build up the church. It's so, so like so like when I think about that, I I think that there there that's what probably resonates. I don't you know I I can't point to it, but but what draws people to become part of a charism? That's maybe where families could start is starting to learn. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are the charisms and spirit? Because those are the things that I think you say that that re, that resonate like. Okay, I I get that, right? That draws yeah. me. That's drawing me to it. And then maybe even through spiritual direction, or even just through yourself, I have I notice that not only do I am I drawn towards that charism that's a gift of that order, I might actually have that charism, you right. know, because of fruit that I've borne or things that have happened. And that's maybe a way of determining, and I think as a parent, maybe just exposing people to this and giving them, hey, you you might have one, you might have this, or recognizing as a parent in a child, mm, hey, you know, yeah. you, I know this gift, and that mm-hmm. reminds me of mother, whoever. I mean, go you go down the yeah. list. Uh, and yeah. and so anyway, I, that's my thought on that. No, yeah, that's beautiful. I think you're absolutely right. If we're aware as parents of of the way, because this isn't like I mean, we we sometimes over individualize charisms where like you say he has a charism of of speaking or he has a char- she has a charism of writing or you know this kind of gift set that we kind of uh, parse out as we as we go and and not to undermine that you know the individual do they do have these gifts that. Are they're going to use to to give glory to God? You know that they want to recognize them so they can fulfill them these these personal charisms. But um, as you said, um, these charisms like they come through the history of the church to the orders. These are charisms that are are solidly established in tradition in our tradition of our of our heritage, and that you know they're time tested, right? So we can say there is a charism like the charism of the Dominicans that. We can definitely point to and say that's a that's a that's a true charism, right? Um, but like you also mentioned that there's also a discernment process. So if we notice it in one of our children, um, it's up to us to kind of introduce them to these charisms and allow them to say, "Wow, that's beautiful," or um, "This is something that I need to think about more, or discern, or pray about," and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I really yeah. like what you said. So go ahead. And I not to go off too much, but I, I think this actually sp- speaks to kind of as a family in terms of if the family's meant to be some sort of um, a sign of of the church herself, then, then we need to recognize that in our family, you know, our, each family is as individual, I mean, is um, and unique and unrepeatable as, as a person, mm-hmm. and that we as families have charism. And yeah, that are uniquely ours and it may not be mm-hmm. as spiritual as that. It may just be gifts that we have, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, our family's not the Romanskis. Our family's not the Earhart's, mm-hmm. but, but that's not a bad thing. We're all called to the same right. holiness, all called to the same God, but, but we got to recognize that Cassians have this or right. whatever. And I think it's important for us to recognize that that's somehow like a sign of the church herself of, mm-hmm. of having within within itself different orders, different families, so to speak, who have um, different gifts for the sake of spreading the gospel and evangelizing 
in serving others and drawing others to Christ through those gifts. So am I, I off, am I off base if I tell myself that I our our charism as a family is is being late? Is that is that not kind of what you're talking about? Or? <laughs> That's actually one of them. No, I, one of them. I share that. We share that. You, you do? Oh, okay. Okay, so that is a charism? No. Yeah, we're, right. we're third order romantics. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel so sorry for you. I feel so bad for you. Um uh, no, that's re- that's really beautiful, um, Trey. Well, well said. That yeah, you know, every fa- I think that is such a such a wonderful way for families to uh, grow in a sense of themselves and to fall kind of in a in a good way, kind of fall in love with themselves. Not a nar- not narcissism, but to uh, kind of fall in love with who who we are as a as a family and what our particular sort of attributes are. And how mm-hmm. we can um, be lights, you know, be lights in the world, and so that's a right. that's a great step towards. Then, I think what Adam is suggesting is hooking into one of these spiritualities that's kind of accessible through a third third order um, can only enhance right. that. It can only intensify that. So, you and said you you were going to do uh, you're going to do three three orders today. We have about yeah. like twenty yeah. minutes left, twenty two minutes, something okay. like that. Yeah, so I, I just wanted like just um, say also that it's an author. It's a way we can can uh, do so authoritatively, like with the authority of the church. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things as well. Is like it's not like this, you know, any gifts, but like these are gifts that have been, you know, authoritatively declared as, um, you know, in in line of tradition, right? And so that's like one of the beautiful things that they like, they give us the solid ground that we can. Uh, go into looking at these charisms and uh, know that we're in line with tradition. And so to look at them, there's a tendency to be like, okay, these are all mutually exclusive. And if anybody's looking at third order, they're like, well, we do that too. And so I want, as we go through these charisms, these kind of just, you know, probably oversimplify the matter, but just to look at what distinguishes um, each order from the other, right? They all share in like that common, we're lovers and followers of Jesus Christ, and we all desire to live this deeply spiritual life, uh, lives enriched, enlightened, and upheld by the Spirit. So right. there's this commonality here, and and obviously prayer is going to be important, and and a charity, and 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 growth in charity, and all these things. But there are distinguishing characteristics. So if we look at these charisms, and we look at like the Franciscans, okay, we look at Saint Francis, and we can see if we look at his life, we can see certain things that. Um, help us understand the charism of the Franciscan. So one, like if you look at some of the secular Franciscan order, you'll see that poverty, right? Not just an attitude, but a voluntary material simplicity of life, right? As a lay person, that looks different than if you're religious, right? I mean, if you're a dad, you can't say, I'm not going to work because we took a, I took a, I promised poverty, so you guys are going to have to eat. You're not going to eat tonight. Um, so <laughs> there's a way of looking at, you know, our state in life as a vocation. And if we have a vocation to the Franciscans, we have to take upon ourselves this this promise of living a poverty a life filled with a spiritual poverty, in a sense. Right? Hey, hey, Adam! Before you, yeah. uh, just there's a there's a word that you used, secular Franciscans, and I don't. I, I thought maybe yeah. we should stop and kind of clarify yeah. that because. Okay. In in many ways, that has a uh, a negative connotation. Okay. And okay. Good, good point. Yeah. In the church, in in church tradition, secular something secular has a very specific meaning when it comes to the clergy and right. Um, right. religious orders. So just briefly okay. break that down. In simplest terms, secular means in the world. Like our apostolic activities is in the world. We're out there, um, whereas um, uh, the religious. Uh, lives would be, or the regular, we would say the regular orders would be people that are living within community um, in a convent or something like that right. um, in these religious communities. So the secular um, third order of the Franciscans are lay men and women right. that live in the world. So a secular Franciscan doesn't mean somebody who uh, doesn't believe what the church teaches, but they're just kind of masquerading as a as a Catholic. Right. That's not what we're talking right. about. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So in as much as living in the world, you know, um, can can kind of distract us from living a life filled with, like, spirit-filled poverty, the secular Franciscan order says, you know, one of our charisms is is to intentionally, um, 
you know, really seek that. And, and re- that resonates with us as, as the way in which I feel called to live out my Christian life. So another one is peace, um, this this making peace in, in the world in, in some sense, not um, seeking ways to make peace with others, to, to bring peace about, the Christ's peace about in the world, mm-hmm. um, in our workplaces, in our families. Um, secularity, that we're, act, we're our apostolic activities is in the world, right? Um, penance. And this is one of the first things with the secular Franciscans or the third world Franciscans, they were penitents. So um, this is, you know, taking upon yourself concrete acts of self-denial and self-sacrifice for the love of God, neighbor, um, mortification, things like this. And, and I get this from um, the secular Franciscan charism, which is an article in uh, 1 Peter 5. So it, it mentions all of these penitential practices, fasting, simple clothing, things like this, that if you feel called to, uh, emanate the the spirituality of the Franciscans as a as a layman or woman, um, and we can see that we can take some of these charisms and you know try them out with our families or you know, and see if if they resonate with any of us or, or bear great fruit in our lives. Um, Dominicans, we wouldn't say like I said, they're not mutually exclusive. So the Dominicans wouldn't say like we don't care about poverty or we don't care about peace and like that, you know. But um, <laughs> right. there's if we wanted to simplify it just for our, the case of our show here, um, really, it, it, um, quoting from the Rule of the Lay Fraternity, uh, Chapter Four, it says they have a distinctive character in both their spirituality and their service to God and neighbor. As members of the order. They share in its apostolic mission through prayer, prayer, study, and preaching according to the state of the laity. So intellectual uh, studying the faith for the sake of not just defending it, but studying the faith for the sake of being able to clearly profess it um, to the world in through teaching or through media or through mm. um, writing or whatever it is. Mm. Um, this is something that you, you may think is more of a Dominican charism. It's something that we wanted to know our faith so that we can uh, share it without. I mean, you, we also have to realize with these third orders, there was there was lay movements that that weren't um, obedient to the Mother Church, weren't authoritatively um, allowed by the Church, and were actually censored. And the Dominican order rises up against that, the, the Cathars. And uh, Albigensians, yeah. Yep. So we, we have, I mean, in these people, it can't just be, you know, I feel like I want to bring, like the Franciscans, I want to bring this um, mortification on myself, which the Cathars did well. And they did it so well that they were called the pure ones. That's what it comes from Greek. And so people were attracted to the way of life. But what happened was um, their lives weren't in accordance with doctrinal um, um, uh, truths, right? I mean, it just wasn't in line with the church's teaching. And so what happened was Dominic, St. Dominic, um, ends up going about saying we need to be able to refute and preach against them in a way where we're preaching the truth and uh, bringing because people were being attracted to their austere way of life so it's this way of saying like if we can do it within the tradition and under the authority of the church that's where we can really um i think explore and discern charisms that that lend us to a greater spiritual depth and life so anyway so dominicans study uh, intellect and things like this and prayer uh the rosary especially right um that, that is a gift from our lady saint dominic and in, in as far as the uh story goes and the carmelites if we want to boil it down obviously again not exclude excluding the other ones but uh a contemplative prayer they're a contemplative order but um the way they like to talk about it is as lay members as secular members of the discussed carmelites the con- contemplation is the source of how we deal and and love others right so it becomes an outward looking contemplative life is what hmm. um, the, the uh, secular Carmelite, discussed Carmelite charism is. That contemplation is the, the wellspring from which they draw. Um, and so with any of these charisms, part of it is learning their saints, um, meeting their saints in their writings and their lives. And going from there, like, do, do, do these really resonate with me? Do I admire them? Do I, do I feel drawn to their lives in any way? Um, and then that's that's part of starting the uh, discernment process, um, but right, I, the, I just wanted to say one ahead. last thing. Yeah, so yeah, go ahead. In, so to tie them all together, remember they're not mutually exclusive. To tie them all together, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 2003 says um, each charism is at the service of charity. Like that boils it down. Like all of these, all of these charisms are to say that God calls you 
gifts you through the Holy Spirit. Um, to He calls you to a perfection of charity uh, in Christ Jesus. Mm. And these gifts and charisms are ways through which that, that He chose for you to be, um, that you could be fulfilled and, and, and move forward and, and grow in. So, but they're all at the service of, of being perfected in charity. So go ahead. Yeah, I was just I was going to say that I think it's important for those listening that as you as you do it, it to recognize that it's very clear that they talk about it's, it depends on the state of your mm-hmm. life, like with your vocation. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm drawn to the Carmelites and prayer is at the center of it, the prayer has got to be the center of my life, and I have to have that. But 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 I'm not called to the same amount of time I'm not called to withdraw from the world if I've got six right. kids at home. I mean right. that that the way that plays itself out is is bound by one state in life. So a married That's person right. who's drawn to that would have different God would not be calling them to go and sit in adoration for, you know, four hours a day or, or whatever or whatever. It, not 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 as a normal practice. I mean right. that would right. be That's right. Extraordinary, out of the out of the normal, and depending on what's going on in their life, that might have freed up that time. But that's right. So, like, so for example, like, I believe Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, he's a discalced Carmelite. Am I correct? Yeah. You know, who who that is? And so yeah. that one for a parent for I I read some of y'all out there may have heard this, but I highly recommend it for for parents is the practice of the presence of God, which is a bunch of letters that he wrote. Yes, talking about his spirituality, and it's all the mundane things and how he offered those mundane. So for every mother out there who, you know, is folding clothes or whatever, that's that's an application of that spirituality in the midst of their state of life. You know, for me, it's you know when I go to work, the the stuff that maybe I don't like doing, but I know I have to do at work. Mm-hmm. Um, then I then that's a, those simple mundane things are the ways in which I fulfill my state in life in line with the charism of prayer mm-hmm. from that. Is that, does that sound beautiful. right to you? Or that's, I mean? that's beautiful. Yeah. Cause that's another thing is like each religious order has a rule of life. So like we'll say order capital O, but each order within that order. So first order, second order, third order, they each, I mean, the orders are modified to, based on that that very fact, is to lay men and women as people in the world, the secular lay men and women in the world that are, you know, say, you know, mothers and fathers and, and working uh, as bankers or something, like, their way in which they live out that rule is going to, they, that rule is going to be different for them than it is for the the religious, right? So, um, within these rules, we see that there's variance to kind of make right. um, exceptions there. But you're also right in saying that even with that rule, even with that modification or that qualification, let's say, um, even with that, um, you may not be called to one of these uh, to participate in the third order. You know, it's still something right. like if, if, you re- if it resonates with you. Um, what if your life right now is kind of, uh, it's difficult to try to fit in any kind of rigid rule. It might it might be difficult or whatever. Um, I still encourage you to look into the spiritualities of these orders, but that doesn't mean that you're being called right now to do that. You know, um, right? And I and and I think and this is, brings a point that I that, that I think is hard to take sometimes. But mm-hmm. but what what helps determine whether God's calling you to do that is not just merely the the draw towards it, but the, right. that the life that you're living and all the responsibilities that your vocation has for you and what those, that looks like, if those responsibilities would be shirked by you mm-hmm. becoming a third order because you have to go do this or go do that, it would be a mistake to right. do that, to force it, because God's never going to call you out of the vocation as a mother or a father to go do something that is running counter to what you're called to do in the everyday cooking meals, whatever. And I think that sometimes we don't, sometimes we, you can get so spiritual. I've got, you know, air quotes going here that, that you forget Mm -hmm. that the way the spirituality plays out is actually in the midst of the responsibilities that you have, getting kids up, getting them dressed, fed to school, to the doctor, 
you to work. All those things are being late. Being, being <laughs> late. That's right. So anyway, I, I, I think that I, I, I know myself, I had that as a problem and it was hard for me. Oh, God wants me to do this. But you know, then yeah. a good priest would say he can't want you to do that because you mm-hmm. can't afford to do that. Right. So you may be drawn right. to that spirituality, but you need to find a different way of living it out. Yeah. And yeah. that. Absolutely. And absolutely right. So, hey, yeah, hey, a couple I, thoughts I here. A couple thoughts here going off of what the two of you guys have said. So, Adam, it sounds to me like maybe the Fran- Franciscans are about um, kind of action, maybe. Hmm. Dominicans yeah. are study and the. Discalced Carmelites are um, an emphasis on prayer, or maybe it's better to say contemplation. But if if I had to boil them each down to sort of, um, you know, a one-word attribute, that's kind of what I I was hearing. Mm -hmm. And then what I wanted to throw out there was maybe what what I'm kind of seeing that you're proposing, I, I think this is such an interesting idea, um, almost a, f- a framework for how a family can can live out their Catholic faith in a, in a deeper way. So right. you're not even really suggesting that a family as a unit go pledge themselves as third-order Franciscans or something, but almost more mm-hmm. maybe the parents would take the lead to figure out, okay, are we, are we as parents, and then the way we're raising the children, does action— speak to us? Does study speak to us? Does contemplation speak to us? And then sort of taking up that that particular spirituality as sort of a framework for what we do in the home in between Sundays, and kind of yeah. different opportunities, different experiences that we're going to try to give to our children to, to deepen their, their faith as they grow. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Is that a practical, maybe the beginnings of a practical way of, of I think so. doing this? I, I, I think you're absolutely right, because going back to, like, at the service of charity, we see, like, in the rule of life or in religious orders, we see the, the evangelical councils of uh, these are, take, like, when they take vows, religious uh, members of religious orders, they take vows for po- of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, like, what the, you know, the Church teaches, um, it's not— just for them. It's for us as well as lay people. Right. Them. And, but in, according to our state of life, as Trey uh, noted. So this, just at least uh, drawing close to these orders that have made that their way of, they show the world, hey, you know, God cuts out this way for us. He calls us to this radical, um, um, I'm consecrating myself. I'm making vows for this. I'm vowing myself to this. My life, my passion, my my desires, my potential, my strength, whatever it is, right? My, my whole entire life, I'm, I'm vowing myself to imitate Christ as radically as I can. Um, and we see that, and that, that should never cease to inspire us as lay men and women. And what we see in the history of the Church is that it was inspiring them. And what I'm, I guess what I'm simply suggesting now is along the lines of what you said, Thaddeus, is for us to be aware and to, for as parents, to kind of draw close to these traditions, these orders, these spiritualities, to to question how they live poverty chastity beatings, how that might, you know, something I can actually do to, to draw closer to a greater holiness and imitation of Christ in my family. These are ways that in which we can at least start to think about, hey, what are these rules laying down for these men and women? How are these rules lived? And I might not be able to be as rigid or as strict with it, but what are these, what are the reasons for these rules? And when you boil it down, um, it's like these rules, and in these vows, they govern the essentials so that, like, the charisma of the order, um, the way in which they're called the perfection of charity, um, by obedience to these councils, the, it allows the Holy Spirit to um, free us enough to where we can flourish in this giftedness. And we see that these rules kind of, they make the, the, the things of life where they have a choice to, or worry about these choices that kind of can distract us from the main fundamental principles they kind of clear the way so that people can move forward in that growth and receive. And so if we look at the reasons for these rules, we can see 
his family, it's like, we might not be able to follow a rule. Like, if I went home today and was like, all right, guys, when I ring the bell, everyone stops what we're doing, they come, and they, they spend half hour in silent prayer, they're probably kicking out of the house, you know? And so I, I can't do that. But if I say, what's the reason for that? Like, what, why, like, they do it, and obviously is making saints. It's obviously changing the world and transforming the church and, and renewing the church. So it can't be um, that it, it doesn't work or that it's not valuable. But it, it must be that I need to be more resourceful in how I can try to at least approach these, uh, you know, that desire. Because I have that desire for my family, too, that they can live out their vocation and be fulfilled and, and worry about the things that are truly um, that are truly important or focus on the things that are truly important, right? So um, to kind of alleviate them of the distractions that lead them away from the fundamental principle that that, the sort, that God is the source of our happiness and that um, if we live contrary to his will, then we're going to be wasting time in the worst way, you know? <laughs> and so this idea that we can learn from these orders and we might not be able to apply them directly to our lives, but I think as parents, we ought to draw close to them in some way. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. I didn't really thought about it and, and, I'm, and you may not even have an answer, but I'm, I'm thinking here, like, so if somebody's listening to this, um, where would they start? Would they just like Google mm-hmm. Franciscan or yeah. uh, spirituality or, or I mean, how would, so that they could go and kind of just get a, a taste of it? Yeah, I think, I think you're, I think you're right. Is kind of doing a little bit of research. I know that each um, order or secular order, third order, they have their uh, website. So if you look up secular Franciscan order or something, you'll see a little, um, a little bit about them. They might tell you which which rule of life they follow, or um, where their um, order comes from, or how long it dates back, and the history of the order. You might um, they might tell you, like for instance, which saints that we might know, yeah. or notable people that we might know that were part of these. For instance, like the Third Order Dominicans, um, they have um, Saint Catherine of Siena and Saint Rose of Lima. And I'm, I don't know if Pierre Giorgio was blessed. Pierre Giorgio was. The sort of Dominican, I think he was. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but so for the Franciscans, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, St. Louis, uh, King of France, and St. John Vianney was the, was the third order Franciscan. But, you know, so, so you look at some of these things and doing a little bit of research, you can see um, um, at least what these rules are, how to get involved or how to draw close to it a little bit. Um, one, of the, one of the things that might be a little bit um, off-putting a little bit is, is it seems like mysterious how to how to even get involved or how to learn more. It seems like it's not very um, easy sometimes, especially if you live in an area where there's not one near you. But I also know that um, I, th- I really think there's a lot here for us as a church today for, to recover. And I think that if we do, if we scratch the surface a little bit and we do a little bit of the light work, we can, we can find out a good deal about how, how to, how to be, how to um, become one or how to, how to start a confraternity if you wanted to, or even just like I said, to, to draw near to the spirituality. So, if you do right. research on, go ahead. And I would I would challenge people to if you if you go and you have it to to try to read from those, particularly the saints that have that have written uh, whatever they are. So for story like story of the soul of a soul is something that has impacted many people. Written by Therese of Lisieux. Um, mm-hmm. might be something that you could do. I, I know that I'm, I didn't realize that Claire, I mean, um, Catherine of Siena, who is one of my daughter's, um, patron saint was, was a, um, you said a third order Dominican. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just picked up because it was her, I, you know, little talks with God, which is her dialogues. Mm-hmm. And that's began to resonate with me. So, I mean, it's a little small book and you start reading it and you're like, wow, that, I mean, there's something about what she's saying or what's yeah. going on here that, that, so just, you know, I challenge parents to go out there and look and then find it. And, and if they go, you know, go read a little bit and don't force it, but you'll, when something does resonate, it'll resonate. It'll be like, yeah. Oh, wow, I get this. Or I, I, you know, this means something to me or it's speaking to me now. I think, I think you're touching, like if you start with the saints or you find out a little bit about the saints that are from that, you know, it gives us at least an insight into the kinds of saints that God makes uh, or calls into that order, right? So, I mean, that's a good way to 
the V starts at being a no, because um, the rules might be a little bit difficult to jump off the bat and read. I know St. Bonaventure wrote a great a biography on St. Francis of Assisi, so that might be a good right. place to start. You know, so things like Yeah, that, like G.K. Um, Chesterton wrote some about Thomas Aquinas. I mean, Thomas Aquinas, yep. Start simple and just go and don't force it, because if the Holy Spirit's calling you to that, then it'll it you'll 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 recognize. Well, I want to read more of this. You know, yeah. it'll it'll resonate with you. So absolutely, absolutely. But it's just a treasure that I think is untapped, and given the way that technology is now and how easy on the internet is, it, it it is way more readily available to us. Yeah, and it's just a wealth of of opportunities that are given to us by kind of reaching back and touching, so to speak, those great saints in these orders or any other order. So, and I can't emphasize enough, like, you know, if we can look at our church today and we say, what can we do? What can we do? I think this might be something that can help us orient ourselves and, and, and realize that we're standing on pretty steady ground when we, when we have these saints that, that led us and Jesus chose them to live this life in, in, chastity, poverty, and obedience, and I think um, these orders and being kind of part of them, or at least join close to them, um, can help us you know, fight for the church from within it, like we talked about a couple months ago. Okay, Adam, thank you so much for um, for being with us, and we're so looking forward to you being with us again, but um, thanks for um, having we're me. drawn to a close, and I do think that, that we need to challenge people who are listening to um, to go out there and, and, and investigate and expose their family to it the best way they, they can. But then pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And He will. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>